Hello, and welcome back to Seasonal Sampler, in which we give our first impressions of the latest anime every season. I'm your host, Evan Minto, and back with me, it's Ink. Sup? Ink. We're, we're back here for spring 2023. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about what we watched uh, last season and then, uh, then what we're, we're checking out this season. So, so let's start with the first one there. Ink, what did, you, what did you actually watch? Wait, because I know the answer to this. How many anime did you finish last season? Ah, oh, we're going to start with me, huh? Uh, well, well, this is not going to take very long. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I finished uh, zero anime <laughs> in winter 2023. Uh, I am four episodes from the end of Trigun uh, Stampede, and that's, that's the most I was able to pull off. Now, is that because of time or because nothing actually managed to maintain your interest? Look, I mean... I try to avoid uh, making this podcast just a, a discussion of my like weird relationship with keeping up with seasonal anime. But uh, yeah, it's a, there were some shows that were pretty good. Um, I just uh, it's a combination of time and and like motivation and just there were shows that were like um, good enough that 10 years ago I would have been excited to watch more of them. But I was not excited to keep up with them and ended up just kind of not not following up. Um, and Trigun, um, I like, I liked what I watched of it. Um, I'm mostly just kind of watching it to, to finish it at this point, uh, to finish the season. Cause there's a second season coming for Trigun Stampede. Uh, and I, I, I do, I really like it still like visually where I'm at. I think I'm at episode eight. Um, story-wise I could sort of take it or leave it. I was never a huge fan of like the, the kind of more dark and serious story stuff from the end of the original Trigun series, which I guess is more in line with where the manga goes. Um, and then this is a more manga accurate adaptation as I understand it. So I think it's, it's more of that. And, uh, it's just, I'm not like, I'm not finding myself super invested in all the, the kind of character backstories and things like that, which are a lot heavier in, uh, there's a lot more of them. There's a heavier emphasis on them in this adaptation, mm. um, but it does look great. It's got great action scenes. I really, really like the the orange CG animation, and and that is uh, that's been enjoyable for just kind of you know working my way toward the end of this season. So that's it. Uh, I didn't watch more than like one episode of anything else. So how about you? I watched too goddamn much. Uh, so I finished Ipon again, and I'm actually going to be talking about that on the Taiku podcast. Uh, we're recording tomorrow, uh, and that was, that through and through was just like wholesome sports anime. It was uh, you know characters just dealing with life directions and putting their all into the sport. But most uh, notably, most notable is the fact that all the matches are just super tense and it's because they build up the characters such and they have their own personal motivations and you know what they're working towards and who they want to impress but the 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 feel of every throw and the setup in every match is just so good um and it just keeps that tension all throughout so that was super super easy to watch all the way through um the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady Solid all the way throughout. It was a a solid Yuri Isekai. It was everything I wanted. It had all the heartstrings pulled and some solid uh, action sequences in there too. Um, I'm I was really miffed at where it ended, but uh, evidently that was just like the first arc of the light novel series, and I think there is more coming. 
Uh, I hope there is more coming because I will definitely watch more if they put it up. Uh, Revenger, uh, it was, it's not worth going through. It's, they tried to do an anthology series with an overarching story, but um, none of the standalone episodes really felt worthwhile at all. And the overarching plot felt kind of forced. Um, the real story they had there, which was a samurai unwittingly killing his uh, would-be father-in-law and consequently driving his fiance to suicide and living an unfulfilling life, um, as a frustrated artist thereafter, was captured in this one moment that's incredible at the end of the last episode. And I really just kind of wanted one half hour, one maybe 45-minute OVA about that. And that would have been perfect. Um, but it was too long and it just was eh. Uh, I think we both had issues with the uh, comical superhero type uh, character designs and abilities and that. Yeah, uh, that that was something that I like for part of it. I was kind of like that first episode. I was like, oh, maybe I could keep up with this. And then it was uh, it was one of those things that just very quickly was like, I'm not going to keep watching that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a couple weeks in, I was like, I'm not going back to that show. I have too many other things going on. Yeah, there was one like human trafficking episode that was run in the circus with this clown freak that was really cool, but it was like the only cool notable thing and not the only parts of the cool ep uh, the only parts of the episode that were cool dealt with that one character. So like everything else was kind of mush. Um, but yeah. Uh, Sugar Apple Fairy Tale I ended up watching to the end. Not as good as Spiders and Wolf, but still a lot of fun and a lot of twists all, all about the place. And it's definitely pandering to the uh, the shoujo crowd. So uh, a lot of fun there. And Fire Hunter, which I enjoyed thoroughly despite the disgusting stills that they put in uh, to save, I guess, production time and all that. Um, just a gorgeous show. Uh, really, really gorgeous. I love the lore behind it. And I fell in love with uh, Leo Ayeri, uh, the, the theme song artist. Uh, it's Utsusoki, uh, Liar. And I bought the album for it. And it's a gorgeous album. And I will forever love the show for directing me there. Incredibly short, though. 10 episodes. Uh, and I hope it comes back with more because it was an incredibly involving show. And that's uh, I didn't get to watch that, though. It was on my list last season. I don't know if we even talked about it because I think you didn't you hadn't watched it at the time when we recorded. But um, I don't know enough about it. Firehunter is a Mamoru Oshii thing, right? That's the one thing I know about it. Correct. It's uh, basically a future dystopian thing where uh, humans all of a sudden could not be around fire. Uh, they would burst into flames themselves if they were around natural fire and learn to hunt these beasts who had been given internal fire. It's like some substitute fire. <laughs> and uh, it's basically bringing human humanity back to uh, pre-industrial ways and really uh, separating them from any sort of uh, easy living situations. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was solid. It was super solid. Oh yeah, I was just looking it up to remind myself, and it was a uh, the same uh, the same team that did uh, Vlad Love most recently. So it's directed by Junji Nishimura and uh, written by Mamoru Oshii. Vlad Love, I was I watched all of actually just because I was kind of curious about modern Oshii. TV anime, but um, was not a big fan of Vlad Love. <laughs> it had a lot, a lot of potential there. And I'm, of course, I, f I always forget nowadays to point out who I'm talking about. Mamoru Oshii, the director most famously of uh, the 1995 Ghost in the Shell movie, but a bunch of other very famous movies as well. Anything else, Inc.? Was that all the, the list that you watched? That is all my uh, 
the Autumn 22 uh, anime that I watched. I actually went through a lot of backlog shows, but uh, that's just personal. You mean Winter Winter 23, right? All right, so that's uh, that's what we watched. Yeah, I did a bad job. All right, I'm like busy. I'm running a company, but uh, but this season it's going to be different. I'm changing. Not really. I'm going to probably <laughs> do the same thing. But I w- there's actually a lot of a lot of really good stuff as we'll get into. A lot of things that I would like to keep up with. Um, so I would hope to be able to do that this season, but also it's a pretty busy season. Like generally the actual season of spring is pretty busy for me. So I'm already pretty far behind here. Let's dive into it. Let's see. We, you have your list here in alphabetical order, but, um, Hmm. You know what? Let's do it alphabetical order. Why not? It's a pretty good mix actually. Mix of like ink and Evan and both shows. All right. So first up, Starting with a B, it's got to be, you know, like we have to watch this one. We're required to. <laughs> They're back. Our our gambling golf lesbians have returned. Birdie Wing season two. Uh, what do you think, Inc., of the, the premiere? I was unimpressed. Uh, I, I was kind of already falling off Birdie Wing when it just settled into the romantic element. Not that I'm against the Yuri in it. I love them as a couple. I want them to be a couple. Uh, the show is currently trying to not make them a couple. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was I, I just wanted more of the crazy. I wanted Mission Impossible Golf and Black La Golf. Uh, that's, that's what drew me to this. And it just kind of tamed out by the end. And it picks up right where it left off uh, with uh, the doubles tour, uh, sport, uh, golf tournament for the school. And you know, there's a couple crazy shots and whatnot in there, but it's largely unpromising until the third episode of this season where it feels like it might get some of the old crazy back. So I, I wasn't going to continue watching if the third episode wasn't as strong as it was. And thankfully, it saved itself. Yeah, I actually uh, largely agree. I liked the first season and I think I didn't fall off on it as hard as you, but I did feel like it was stronger at the beginning when it was being weirder and wackier and um yeah like this was a weird premiere because it didn't feel like a premiere i guess it's like a split season so it's just the next episode of it it seemed so ordinary and just like like it was immediately following what happened last episode with no real like seasonal shift it even has the same op uh, which made me i had to double check that i hadn't missed an episode last season i was like wait, is this the new episode? Because I watched it, I'm like late, so we're a couple weeks in by now. And I was like, is this the first episode of the second half of it? Or is this, did I just not watch the last episode of the first half? Um, but yeah, it, I did, in fact, I checked. I did watch the, the premiere for this season. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. It was, uh, you know, basically the, all the wacky stuff at the beginning got me invested in these characters. So it was, it's still fun to watch them play, but it was just kind of like, okay, now it's just golf with characters who I know have done crazy things in the past <laughs> earlier in this show. Yeah. So I'm happy to hear that it, it kind of picks up a little bit more later. There's that one really good shot in the first episode though, where the, the Amaro guy and the, the Char guy, the, the, <laughs> there's like the current coach and then the, the coach who trained, uh, who trained Eve. Uh, mm. He's talking, Amaro, he's literally called Amaro. Coach Amaro is talking about like the time he played against, let's just call him Coach Shar because that's who he is. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, 
it shows them like just this little glimpse. I hope we get to see more of this game, but it's like the two of them playing on like a rock in the middle of the ocean with like <laughs> ocean vortexes around. And I was like, yeah, that's good. That's the shit. That's why we watch Birdie Way. <laughs> exactly. And the craziness that comes in into episode three, I got to kind of give my hands, my uh, hat off to the series for because it's uh, twisting the crazy in a, in a different direction. Uh, or a different focus, I should say. And I, I dig that as a, as a crazy element. I'm like, okay, it may not be like chicks exuding poison perfume to poison their opponents, but, uh, you know, this is, this is fun too. Uh, next up is an ink only show cafe terrace and it's got, Oh, the, sorry, you wrote this with like the comma, the, the end the cafe terrace and it's goddesses is the title. Yeah, I did not know this was a spinoff of another series. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have even watched it. Um, it just seems like a 90s harem throwback. And uh, it's the uh, old estranged relative inherits a business with a love interest in, uh, in it uh, sort of thing. Like uh, they wash the floors and he cam- comes in because he parent died and whatever. All of a sudden, 30 beautiful girls live in the rooms and whatever. Uh, same thing. Uh, and this whole the designs are neat there's a rocker chick who's really cool but um largely it's just skeevy and there's an actual plot point in the first episode where they get a girl drunk just to send it to this new guy's room to get him in trouble so that he'd go away from the place it's like yeah let's let's get this girl raped so um you know the other guy can leave and it's, it's just a horrible show i would not recommend watching episode one of it yeah, uh, I didn't know much about it until you uh, started talking about it here. And uh, it does definitely looks very, um, uh, just the premise looks extremely Love Hina, which is a much more beloved series, I think. Um, I, I saw I saw this guy's name attached to it, did not realize it. It's a Koji Seo manga, the original manga. That's the creator of Suzuka and Fuka, which are, uh, I actually haven't read very much of, but they're both on Azuki. And they are also like horny harem things, as I understand it, so... That's uh, not for me. So glad I didn't watch that one. Now, things that are for me, it's time for Heavenly Delusion. Or, as you are supposed mm. to call it, oh my god, Tengoku Daimakyo, the Japanese title, which is, I believe, what it's being released as on Hulu. Yep, can't Incredible. find it otherwise. Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. Like, it's not even that... Well, I don't actually know the um, daimakyo. I don't know that that word. But uh, I mean, Tengoku is right there in the title. It's not like that's a hard thing to translate. <laughs> uh, I'm a, ba- a big fan of this manga, which uh, is being released by Dempa. Uh, and it's created by Masakazu Ishiguro, who is the creator of And Yet the Town Moves, which is one of my favorite manga sitcoms ever. This is not a sitcom, though. Heavenly Delusion is a post-apocalyptic sci-fi action adventure. And uh, you watched this, Inc. Have you read the manga? I have not read the manga, but I am going to read the manga because I love the hell out of this anime. And uh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm hoping to find out through you and others how how closely it sticks and how much it covers. But uh, I love the the mangaka as well. So you know, there's no reason not to. Yeah, I mean, he's a great character designer, so it's a joy seeing his characters on screen. From what I remember, it's been a little bit since I read the first volume. The two episodes I watched of this are fairly accurate to it. I don't I didn't notice any like big diversions from it. 
basically the plot here is uh, a young a young woman and like a I think he's like a teenage boy. They're like I think she's around twenty and he's like sixteen, seventeen, something like that. They're um, they are wandering around the like when you first meet them, they're sort of just wandering around this like post-apocalyptic Japan. There are these man-eating creatures uh, that like wander around and kill people, which we see some of in these early episodes. And uh, and you kind of like learn a bit about this this post-apocalyptic Japan and like the different, you know, as you imagine in post-apocalyptic stories, the different uh, societies that, that crop up there. But a lot of it is about the relationship between the the two of them, and basically, the boy is looking for a place called heaven, which is the only thing he knows about it. And then she's been tasked with uh, with like bodyguarding him, and then simultaneously, like back and forth with that, you get this seemingly disconnected story about a bunch of kids in a some sort of like strange facility where they're kind of like there's like scientists there and they're having tests done on them and they seem to have these special abilities and uh it's not clear the connection between that and the rest of the world you don't really see what's outside of this walden facility so there's definitely like a mystery element to this whole story so you know what that kind of reminded me of was uh the the last of us uh i've never played the game but i just finished watching the hbo series it reminded me a lot of that combined with promise neverland Oh, that's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. I think Promise Neverland is also a pretty good comparison because there's also there's an element of horror to this as well uh, with the monsters. But yeah, I think a big thing that's cool about the manga and is true here in the anime too is just that it's like it's not very um, not very generous with telling you like what the connections are and kind of like giving you hints. And so there's this sort of like suspension where you're just like, "Mm, this is kind of interesting stuff going on, but there's a whole network of connections that I can't quite see yet, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. And Oh my God, it's so nicely animated. I think this is production IG, Mm. the, the action animation, but just everything, uh, the, the backgrounds are done by um, Yuji Kaneko who I'm a really big fan of. He's the uh, he's the reason that the the Little Witch OVA backgrounds look so much better than the TV series because he worked on the the OVAs but not the TV series. Nice. He also did the Ranking of Kings uh, backgrounds. Uh, so he's just like got a really great painterly background art style, which I think lends a lot of atmosphere to this show. Oh, tons! I love the shading all around. The it's the real the world just kind of feels broken down and overlived in and destroyed. Which makes it for a great contrast of the school, which is all shiny and bright and well kept and such. But some of the uh, connections you're mentioning, I think, start to come become a lot more clear in uh, episode three or four. I think it's up to four now. Um, but there's there's something that appears that appears previously, and there's a, a good bit of uh, easy connection made there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to watching more but unfortunately this is hulu only and i don't have a hulu subscription so i may need to find someone to mooch off of for this i gotcha oh hmm all right well we'll figure that out uh as long as hulu's not doing netflix style uh, <laughs> password <laughs> sharing uh prevention next up is a uh series on high dive insomniacs after school which i have on my list to watch but i didn't make it to this before recording so ink How's Insomniacs After School? Oh, it's so good. It is so good. It's just a, it's just a goofy rom-com, but the the 
the setup is that there are these two kids who meet in this abandoned room at the school that's an observatory. Um, and there's this rumor of a ghost that haunts it, so no kids ever go there. But the the two kids you meet are insomniacs, and I guess they're kind of shamed for not being able to sleep at night, which is weird. Um, but uh, the kids themselves are uh, one's very interested in photography, and the other one is just sort of a manic pixie dream girl type of character. Um, but the two balance out really nicely, and they just sort of make the most of being awake all the time. And that's kind of the premise. Um, but they get caught kind of living in that uh, space and are eventually forced to form an astronomy club to justify the use of the school's abandoned huge-ass telescope that they just so happen to have. <laughs> and uh, uh, things are just starting. I just uh, I think two episodes are out. I've yet to watch the third but uh, they're, you know, that's when they're forced to get more people in, so more characters are going to join. So I don't know how that'll change the dynamic, but it's gorgeously animated, um, and the 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 tone of it is just kind of laid back and serene. And I don't know, I'm I'm very much a night person, so uh, it it really feels legit like you're just what you do when you don't have anything, when you have nothing but time and are kind of driven insane by all the all the stuff you could do, but are trying to fall asleep. It's funny. Uh, there was that other show, uh, Call of the Night, which is also about a kid who can't fall asleep. Hmm. That was Vampire, right? Yeah, yeah. He And he meets a vampire manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> manic vampire <laughs> dream girl, as it were. Oh, and the, the the designs in this one are really awesome. She's uh, she's constantly around in just uh, overalls and like t shirt, real baggy type tomboy clothes. So mm. it's very nice not to see the constant uh, objectification designs. Yeah. Well, I'd like to watch this, but it's probably going on the watch at some point eventually list. Next up, Magical Destroyers. You were talking before about something that feels like a throwback. Wow. This is a show yeah. that is like deliberately trying to feel like a show from 2008. Uh, Magical Destroyers is about a uh, sort of alternate history in which being an otaku was outlawed in, I think it is the year 2008. And uh, it's about a, a war against like the, I forget what they call it. It's been a, like a little over a week since I watched this, but like it's like revolutionaries, like, you know, anti-government otaku forces fighting against the anti-otaku uh, police force and uh the there's the what is he called the otaku hero not the oda king though mm -hmm. he's kind of maybe a, a stand-in for the oda king and uh definitely a stand-in and a uh what i don't i forget her name but there's a magical girl who has a pretty funny transformation sequence where uh, chaos chan yeah chaos chan she just puts on uh, she just cosplays that's her magical girl transformation sequence and there's like two other magical girls and they're, they're on like a mission to rescue one of them. Um, this, I thought I would like this more than I did because when you describe it, it sounds amazing. Um, I, I found like the, the jokes didn't all totally land, but the concept is very funny. And so I, I only watched one episode, but I, I would be curious to watch more of it. What did you think? I, I'm largely the same. Like during the uh, interseason lull, I actually did an FLCL rewatch and watched the two sequels after that. And it had, it was very much drawing on that kind of same energy, but not to the same amount of charisma that the yep, that, yep. that series owns. Um, but there's, there's a lot of good art direction there. It's just like you said, nothing ever really completely lands. Nothing's solid. It's in, all in bits and chunks. 
And how I find myself enjoying this series is if it gets me to chuckle or if it, you know, impresses me with some design choice, I deem that worthy for an episode because it doesn't ever let me kind of get out of the story. Um, it's, it's decent at keeping you in that world, but uh, it's, it's not like must-see viewing. It's more uh, a curiosity, see if it can maintain its current uh, level of draw. Yeah, I do want to say uh, this was introduced to me as like, oh my God, it's the like, you know, Fooly Cooly successor kind of like it's, it's doing Fooly Cooly stuff. And I watched it, I was like, hmm, it's, there's a reason why everybody well, there's a couple of reasons why everybody didn't just try to make their own Fooly Cooly. And like part of it is because mm. uh, Fooly Cooly is not just about being wacky. It's like good because of the particularly very talented people who worked on it. And it's not that easy to recreate that lightning in a bottle. The other reason is it wasn't oh. that popular. So that's another reason why everybody didn't try to make their own <laughs> Fooly Cooly. But uh, it also had a very solid point it wanted to make and was mm. about a very specific thing. Uh, these, I will say, like the, at least the trans, uh, the magical world transformation sequences. The one is revealed in two, and another is revealed in episode three. Um, they're all very distinct and very laughable. Yeah, that that is uh, pretty funny. I, I do want to watch some more of that. But the other thing is just this has elements of that kind of like you know uh, guy, kind of uh, late '90s, early 2000s Gynax, which is to say, sort of like the Maishi generation, um, mm-hmm. but. Also, it just feels like a generic show from 2008, which feels funny to watch, right? But like, you know, I think Fooly Cooly is a pretty high bar there to compare it to. But it it is kind of a funny joke to make a show in 2023 that feels like a 2008 show. Yeah. Uh, next up, The Marginal Service. This is ink only. Marginal Service is uh, men in black, but for monsters in Japan. So uh, Like Kaiju or Yokai? What are we talking? Uh, yokai. Yokai. Got it. Uh and it's basically, you know, yokai have been, uh, they're actually from space, but um, yokai have been on this planet and integrated amongst human population for a long time. But this one uh, gung-ho cop who is too uh, damage heavy on the job gets relegated to this new role in this department. And uh, that's basically the whole thing of the show. Um, it's got some, it's got some fun action, uh, but the best things about it is like that, uh, gambling show you, uh, we're talking about last season with the really candy, uh, the really weird names. Oh, high card. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. The, the main character's name is Brian Knight Raider. Yes. The, the, uh, they have a beauty mechanic called Lyra Candy Heart. Oh, this is uh, good. Yeah. I love a good, uh, yeah. good, good names in a show. <laughs> Oh yeah, and the 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 bolts Dexter and Robin and Timbert and Zero Zeno Stokes and they named their little uh, hamster sidekick, uh, and it's just absolutely hilarious. But uh, yeah, nothing nothing, and the, the it's sort of like a Super Sentai team when they all get outfitted and that all ridiculous uh, team outfit sort of thing. But uh, eh, I mean, it's it's passable. It, it as long as it holds your interest, it will. Like I'm looking for a reason to ditch it, but I haven't found one yet because it keeps making me laugh. All right, that's uh, definitely goes on the maybe at some point I'll watch it pile. Uh, now something that I am watching and uh, quite enjoying, though maybe not as much as uh, I know other people are crazy about this show, is Mobile Suit Gundam: The Witch from Mercury season two. Uh, I did finish season one. I didn't. I don't think I had it finished when we watched when we did our episode about season one. But uh, I did eventually finish that, and uh, I enjoyed season one quite a bit. 
uh, actually a little bit of the inverse of Birdie Wing, where I felt like it was a little too boring and ordinary at first. And then once it kind of, once the stakes got upped near the end of season one, I, I got more invested in it. And it has a, a pretty uh, shocking and interesting ending there. Season two, initially, like in the within the beginning of the first episode, seems to sort of just reset stuff and like turn the stakes down again, which I, I felt was a little bit disappointing. But uh, it does, uh, it introduces some additional conflict. There's some new kids at the Space Gundam school that they're attending who have uh, ulterior motives. Uh, I think it still suffers a little bit, at least in the first episode. I'm not all the way caught up uh, from just the fact that like everything's kind of a game in this show. Uh, So like they're not fighting real space wars. They're just having like duels where the duels only matter because everyone's following the rules and like abiding by the results of the duels. Uh, mm. which is why I appreciated at one point in, in episode one, uh, Suleta, the very charming main character, tries to sort of like get out of a situation by challenging a character to a duel. And the other character's like, why? Who cares? You're just playing a game. Well, I could just kill you. <laughs> like, why would I accept your challenge for a duel? <laughs> and then they come up with a reason why she would actually accept the challenge, which I was like, okay, sure. But, but I keep asking, why wouldn't people just kill each other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's been one on my to watch list just because people kept instantly comparing it to Atena at first and then with this season there was another episode where everyone went oh shit just got real and i was like god damn it i'm gonna end up watching this at some point yeah i mean the, the characters are, are pretty great and that's kind of part of what's keeping me going and it's got it's got good uh good mech fights and just like it's an interesting it's a different world from what i've seen in other gundam shows which is cool like even if i find the school stuff a little tedious sometimes the fact that it's about like a school mixed with corporate espionage is a pretty neat concept so uh hmm. and then and there's a little more of that going on which is that i will i'll say that's the from just the premiere that's what i was more compelled by is there's like even more corporate espionage that seems to be gearing up for for the second season so I do hope to to keep up to date on that. I'm very bad at doing that, as we know. But uh, you know, I I would like to actually watch along with everyone because I think there's it's been fun. You know, when I've been able to catch up, it's fun like you know reacting along with other people to this show in particular. Next up, my home hero. You, you watched this, and it was on my to watch list, but I didn't get to it. I wanted to like this so much more. This is a. Uh... A story about uh, a daughter who gets beaten up and the father who tries to uh, tackle the person who did it, but that person ends up being Yakuza. And they have this whole plan to extort the family because their grandfather, I think, is super rich. Um, And from there, it turns into uh, just this, you know, how will this lay family outsmart the Yakuza thing? And it doesn't work because most of the characters, I mean, he's, he's like a retired, he's a school teacher, I think. And I don't, no, no, he's a salary man, uh, just a salary man. And there's this, uh, homemaker wife and a brat kid, uh, college kid. And they, it's just all pretty much unlikable characters. The, the dad's just overly desperate for his daughter's attention. The mother's too placid. The daughter's too much of a bitch. Um, and all these things, you know, slowly change as they try to combat this threat together without the daughter knowing. Um, oh, this sounds, this is so sorry for making a maybe too, uh, an, an annoying comparison, but this sounds like anime breaking bad. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of. And, and it, it, yeah, it does definitely does have that feel and it does have a tub scene. So, um, but, uh, 
it's it's you know I'd, I want to support it because it's an adult cast and an adult story, but it's all just so boring. Like it's not it's not it's not Michael Weston fun, and you know it's just it's not Breaking Bad good. So eh. I I have heard a lot about this manga. I think it was a it was a pretty like anticipated uh, like English release. I think it's Kodansha if I remember correctly. And then like you know getting an anime was a big deal. Like the, the I think this was pretty well regarded in Japan. So I'm curious if this was like just not your speed or if it's just a bad adaptation. Uh, but it, I've wanted to check out this manga for a couple of years now. I think the problem is I've just seen so many other things that are like it. It just doesn't strike me as anything novel. All right, moving on to what might be the, you know, I, I don't know the real numbers here, but it, it, it's definitely one of the bigger shows this season. Uh, I'd say like, I don't know about Heavenly Delusion. Heavenly Delusion is getting a lot of attention from people we know, but maybe not from general audiences. But uh, the maybe the biggest show this season, Oshi no Ko huh? on High Dive. It's a big deal for them getting this show. Uh, this is a manga I've read the first chapter of, so I was familiar with part of the premise, but not the the final premise. And, uh, you know, up front, we got to say here, this episode is one hour and 20 minutes long, which is, I'm sorry, first up, that's too long. <laughs> that's my first take on Oshinoko. Uh, Ink and I both <laughs> watched it, and there is a reason why it's that long, which we will not spoil, but... Uh, it's it is because the actual hook of the show doesn't come until the end of the I guess the first volume, and so they decided instead of making you wait multiple episodes, they would make you wait the length of multiple episodes in a single <laughs> episode. Which I was actually all for because I I would have really liked this show had it had the balls just to be a movie and just to be a movie about that first one uh, hour, like 20 a, like minutes a prequel, worth of content. a prequel movie for the TV series or something. Yeah, not even, just just that. Oh, really? Like, cram all you wanted to say into a movie-length version because this has all you really need and all the all the biting commentary that's going to come, as I've, I've been told, could have easily been woven into it. Like there's like there's no reason for this to go beyond 1.5 hours that I can see, and I I, I know there's a huge uh, fan base for this thing. It's a lot more um, of this manga after this point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I like the 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 first thing deals with the idol aspect, and then the second deals with a mystery um, that you know stems from that character, uh, but. I, I just I just feel like it's going to be it's so deliberately long for no good reason, and like you could weave all the all the stuff that's coming in after this into the first half, and some of it is already woven in there. It's just like little lines here or there, so they could have done a better job of showing some conditions. But I don't know. This was too long. It was too sloppy. A lot of the great moments uh, are involved with characters that won't be uh, appearing anymore after that first episode. Um, and yeah, I, I was just so I was just questioning why everybody was so into this after my watch. <laughs> uh, we didn't really say what it's about, and I obviously can't spoil the sort of stuff near the end of this episode because it's a you know I think you do if you're interested in this you do want to see it for yourself um, and kind of experience it for yourself. But Oshinoko is uh, I am going to spoil the beginning here. It's an idol uh, reincarnation, not isekai, but like reincarnation. Uh, thing it's kind of a, an insane initial setup where a gynecologist who is a, a super fan of this idol uh gets he finds out that she is pregnant with twins and like she hires 
him as her doctor and then he dies and is reincarnated as one of the twins and then the other twin so he's like a boy and then the girl twin is a different super fan of the idol and then it's like them being raised as like fans who are the the they're kids but they have the minds of a, of like adults um yeah they remember their past right. selves it's crazy it's, it's like a crazy idea <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, I, it's crazy and it's creepy. Yeah, it is. And they play it for like kind of creepy comedy, which I, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, this is also created. The creators are interesting because this is uh, written by Aka Akasaka, I think the name is, which is the writer of um, Kaguya-sama, Love is War. And then uh, drawn by, I believe it's Mengo Yokoyari, who's the artist for um, Scum's Wish. Um, so it does in some ways feel like a little bit of a combination of those two series I, I kind of see the influence there i've never seen kage-sama but the art is uh, quite lovely yeah i mean the character design for the the idol uh whose name is i is uh particularly striking and like you see it in all the promo art and and they really it feels like a lot of the production is like uh, i think this is dogakobo and it's like kind of i would i wouldn't say hit and miss because it's never really miss it always looks fine but it goes between looking like just fine to looking like insanely good and particularly in scenes with eyes mm-hmm. where like they put a lot of the love into like the yes. way they show her eyes. She has these like crazy looking sparkly eyes. Uh, some of her like singing and dancing scenes have this really cool, almost like wormhole effect to them. There's a lot of great, like a lot of that, that kind of anime thing of like making the scenes they want to emphasize look significantly better than the rest of the scenes. <laughs> That's why I like the ending of the first episode so much as just an ending is just how strong that art mm. uh, coalesces uh, the the feeling of that moment. Yeah, and I do I totally agree here that it's it's just too long. Um, and I understand you know wanting to get to the hook because basically the hook that I just told you is not really it's not about growing up as the the kid of the idol it's like about something else but it needs to kind of like develop that more before it can like give you that that hook of like what's the what is the what are the main characters goals what are they aiming for right um Mm. i just think uh you know i haven't read the manga but uh, it's kind of easier to deal with that when it's a manga because it's quicker to read and this was just a lot to sit through of stuff that it felt like it was repeating itself sometimes it felt like it just wasn't really worth the maybe not worth the wait is the right word, but it could have done it could have built up toward the ending in a more succinct way. Um, Cause I kind of, I got to the point where the, the end that's supposed to really kind of like get you invested didn't work as well for me because by then I was like tired of the show. I was like, oh, what is this? Uh, and it's like, Oh, now it's interesting, but you kind of lost me before. So I'm like, I wasn't as invested. <laughs> See me, I was, I was, I was invested all up until the end, and then they're like, "Oh wait, but there's more, and we're going to do this with it now." And I was just like, "No!" Oh, you see, I already got what I needed out of there. All right, I will say, I, I, I like the the sort of pitch they give at the end for what the show is about. So that was like, oh man, if you had gotten me here sooner, I would have been more into it and like more excited to see where this goes. And I still am curious to see where it goes, but it was just kind of this mixed feeling of like, wow, oh, that was pretty good. I wish. I wish you got it to me when I was in a better mood about this show. <laughs> mm. Pacing wise, in addition to like, I think some stuff could maybe be cut or maybe maybe it could be it could have been injected later in flashback form or something to like make this take take less time. The other thing is just pacing wise. You said you were comparing it to a movie. 
like this feels like TV anime episodes pasted together. It doesn't really have the cohesion of a movie. No, but it could have. And that's right. why I was so disappointed. Like I was so angry because it fell so, so short of what it could have been. Yeah, it's definitely it feels like there could have been some choices made to maybe move things around from the manga to feel more like a single unit instead of feeling like like you just are marathoning the first three episodes of the show. <laughs> Yeah, because there's there's so many points during that first episode where like the reinca- reincarnated otaku are spelling out everything for the show instead. Yeah, yeah. And you know the show is perfectly able to show what it's telling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. There's also a couple. I mean, the, the, a lot of the appeal I think of this series for a lot of people is that it like gives you an inside view into the entertainment industry, and that's that's cool. But I uh, was not that into the moments where characters stop and explain to the audience how the entertainment industry works. <laughs> like right all right it just felt kind of didactic like it, it felt like uh and i i guess i like this episode but it felt like the scenes in the that paranoia agent episode where uh what's it motto me is like stopping and explaining what each person oh, on the right, production right. staff does <laughs> all right well, that's a lot of oshinoko but i think people were very curious to hear our thoughts on it so that, that's my thoughts i i am curious to see more of it um though often with things like this that are um, especially when I run into a situation like this where I feel like the anime is is losing my interest because it's taking too long. That's always a good, I'd rather be reading the manga scenario. So maybe I will just go read the manga. Mm. <laughs> Next up, it's back. Ranking of Kings. Uh, not really a season two. This is like a spinoff season called The Treasure Chest of Courage that I believe is a, a story from the manga that was skipped in the original anime. Look at that. You can skip stuff sometimes to save time <laughs> and come back to it later. Um, <laughs> uh, I I think both of us were huge fans of Ranking of Kings, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's like my anime of the year last year. So very happy for it to be back. And with, I think, largely the same staff, same uh, two directors working on it, same studio. Wit. It still looks fantastic. I'm not sure if I would say it looks better because the first season already looked great, but it looks just as good as season one. Um, I mean, it's so simple. It's kind of hard not to or hard to to screw that up. Well, <laughs> hey, <laughs> let's give them credit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty hard to make something move that well. So true. Uh, yeah, this takes place during the the period in the original series where our uh, our deaf prince, the the best boy of all time, Boji. Uh, the nicest boy, he he and his uh, his buddy Kage, who's like a sentient shadow, are hanging out in the, what is it called? Like the underworld? They're mm-hmm. underground training under, he's definitely not just Reagan from Mob Psycho, uh, Despa. And uh, it's like a side story that takes place during that period, is what I can tell from the first episode. And uh, I think it's tales that actually take place on his return to the kingdom. Is it? At least, at least the second one is. I just finished watching that one. Okay. That definitely takes place on their trip back. Uh, okay. I was a little unclear there. So maybe maybe it's multiple different storylines at different points or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bunch of side tales, okay. uh, basically. So little, little, little snippets of adventures here and there. And some of them are just comedic and misunderstanding. Some of them are actually, uh, I wouldn't say poignant, but you know, little bits of development here and there. Yeah, this is uh, delightful. Like, I'll just take more ranking of kings, please. Uh, just give me as much of it as you can animate. Uh, I love these characters. I mean, like, just I have so many fond memories of this show. Uh, so, yeah, just more of it is is always good as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, yeah, I think there's not 
nothing like super stuck out yet other than just like it's it's nice to to get more little little gags with despa and and kage um there's a nice little kind of fairy tale thing with with kage going to the forest to get the mushrooms um mm. yeah in, in general this series has a great kind of like classic fairy tale vibe but with always with a bit of a twist with like a re-envisioning of like the roles in traditional fairy tales and that kind of thing and the uh the thing that stuck out to me most here and the reason why i'm not so totally gung-ho about it is uh, it's it's a shift of character focus uh whereas the main series was definitely focused on boji as you know, the main character in uh, Kage as the support friend, most of these are really centered around Kage, and Boji is just sort of a back seat, so it anchors you in the series. Um, but uh, it's still enjoyable. It's still fun. It's still light. You, I just you uh, tell me you don't like Kage Inc. Come on, I love Kage. I love the whole crew. I love the whole cast. Yeah. But the the story's been played out, and these like flipping through these like a storybook addendum or an appendix uh, sort of edition. It's okay, but there's nothing really drawing me in to tune in week to week other than, hey, here's some characters you've previously enjoyed. Here's some wacky hijinks. That's um, fair. Like I would love a new th- I would love a new through story. Yeah, that's um, that's fair cuz I think one of the real strengths of that uh first season is the uh the kind of politics and the intrigue of it right like it's uh almost Mm. almost like uh like fma right where brotherhood in particular where there's just like double crosses and like different people teaming up with different people like yeah yeah but still like well worth a watch yeah next up rokudo's bad girls tell me about this it is the linkwind high school anime uh, where this one uh, studious uh, bullied kid inherits a magic satanic scroll from his dead grandfather. It's the box that just materializes in his room one day and uh, gives him a super secret power that was never stated to him. And he all of a sudden notices all the bad girls falling in love for it with him and protecting him against all the school bullies. Uh, and some of those bad girls are aligned with those school bullies. So, um, that's pretty much the entire thing of the show, other than this one uh, classic '80s uh, bad girl who is sort of the the, the foremost love interest, I guess. Um, she kind of beats up everybody, uh, but she's super complacent with him, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. A lot of stupid in gags about those types of shows. Thoroughly enjoyable, great throwback character designs. Uh, anyway, it's 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 throwback heavy line art sort of stuff, and uh, it it's 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 laughable. And they they twist situations around very well. There's a situation at the end of episode two that's so cringeworthy you have no choice but to applaud. Uh, interestingly, I looked it up because I was like, oh wow, the art looks like uh, it does look kind of retro. This manga came out in 2016, so it's it's uh, deliberately doing a retro style, I think. Or maybe the artist. I don't know the artist very well, but the artist could be an older artist. Um, mm. uh, manga artist is Yuji Nakamura. Um, I feel like I should maybe know that person, but I don't. Next up, Skip and Loafer. We both watched this. Um, I see Ink's uh, color-coded uh, opinion on here, and I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, what, did, what did you think, Ink? Tell the people. I think it's cute. I think it's funny. I think the characters have excellent chemistry. Uh, they're great foils for each other. I think the voice actors do a great job. I get the appeal for it, but I'm totally not in the mood for a comical fish out of water high school romance anime. All right. That's- so I'll probably come back to it when I am. That's fair. 
yeah, this is not like uh, appointment viewing for me or anything. Uh, it's probably the kind of thing I'm going to end up skipping. <laughs> but uh, I actually, I really enjoyed the first episode. I think it, it's just, uh, there's a lot of other stuff this season. Uh, it's, it's delightful, very kind of airy rom-com. Uh, I think the main girl whose name I'm forgetting right now is uh, a pretty charming uh, female lead. She's like uh, kind of smart but airheaded at the same time, which is a fun combo, um, mm. like sort of overthinking things. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is just a lot of fun. It's like a really, really enjoyable first episode uh, that in a, a different life situation where I was watching a lot more <laughs> stuff would be a pretty easy thing to say yes to. Agree. 2Q Crisis. What do you think of this? Best opening sequence of the season. At least the first like minute of it anyway. It's basically aliens are coming to conquer Earth, but then they send down a scout and the scout discovers the cuteness of household pets. And it's the cuteness is so much that it overwhelms the aliens' hearts to the point of near uh, collapse. So she like calls the mothership that's orbiting Earth and says, wait, wait, it's too dangerous down here. There are these human species called cats. Uh, you are to hold off until I can tame them. And she, meanwhile, she's busy adopting her own cat and learning about all the pets in her neighborhood. Uh, in her neighborhood, <laughs> and uh, it's it it is bloodthirsty after pet owners, and I love it. It's 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 it has no real plot line that you have to care about. It's just constant commentary on how stupid people are over their pets and it's perfect and perfectly right <laughs> i say that as a former pet owner that does sound like a kind of funny premise nice i have not watched this and i also have not watched our last series on the list which is not surprising because its title starts with y and we've been going alphabetically yuri is my job <laughs> what do you think i i like this i like this a lot actually um and I don't think it really gets good until episode three, which I just watched this morning. Um, it's about this one girl who puts on a facade and she wants to be loved by others. So she's trying to be like the cutest girl in the world. She accidentally bumps into this one girl uh, one day and breaks her arm or supposedly breaks her arm. And uh, that one girl kind of manipulates the main character into working for her at this maid cafe where it's this like German sisterly yuri romance cafe oh she's and doing a the yakuza thing where it's like oh oh my god you broke my arm how are you gonna pay me back for this exactly um and it, it's great because the op is pretty fantastic because the whole thing is about the duplicitous nature of man really like the face you put on versus who you are and why you do so and having a made cafe center in that uh, sort of situation is kind of perfect. And the, having the lead character have been bullied for being a liar prior to this, and the fact that she's doubling down and just trying to create the perfect facade, the, uh, the perfect unbreakable facade, um, is, is really a, a compelling premise. And it's fun to watch, but it really turns great at episode three. Like, stick with it if you don't like it until then, and then, yeah, nice. bail after if you don't. Yeah, we didn't mention it, but actually that facade thing is a major component of Oshinoko, which I did think was interesting in that show. Uh, also, the way it explores the the idea of putting putting on a face and like pretending to have emotions that you don't for an audience. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a large part of the the, the argument against idol culture that it has. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it doesn't allow people to be people. Right, right. 
All right, we hit the end. We went from B for Birdie Wing to Y for Yuri is my job. Both Yuri, interestingly. All right. Uh, we have uh, some questions for this episode because Ink kindly went in our Discord and asked for uh, for if people had questions about the seasonal sampler episode. Enki uh, says, I'm looking forward to your opinions on Skip and Loafer and Oshinoko. Mission accomplished. A question about magical destroyers. Do you think it is a hidden gem or ju- is it just trash that targets a very specific audience? I think based on just the first episode. Uh, I mean, it's somewhere in between there. I, I wouldn't call it trash. I, I thought it was fun. But uh, we'll see about a hidden gem. I think it's a uh, it's a fun little experiment that targets a specific audience. And I will need to watch more to make up my mind about uh, whether it you know, stands to be one of those sort of uh, cult classics that we send people back to to watch. Yeah, I think it like it, since it's since it's well aware of what it's doing, I don't think it'll ever achieve that cult classic status, but I think it's above the medium rank. So like, yeah, it's it's enjoyable. I wouldn't call it a hidden gem. It uh isn't nearly as good at being subver- subversive as it is uh or as it wants to be, but you know, it's very obvious. Uh it's definitely not trash because it's it's parodying trash. Um but yeah, it's it's like Evan said, somewhere in the middle there. Next up, Wandering Dreamer, aka our buddy Helen in the Anygamers Discord, asks, do you think Birdie Wing is a TV show in the G-Witch in the um, uh, Witch from Mercury universe, or do you think the Witch from Mercury is a show in the Birdie Wing universe? Uh, she suggests it's probably the second, but still. So, hmm, it's got to be the second, right? I mean... And maybe it's not out yet. Depends on the, the timing, right? Whether we're watching the the current day, twenty twenty three, uh, in in the Birdie Wing universe. But I think that uh, I think it's got to be. I mean, would you think people are watching Birdie Wing and Wish for Mercury? They're up in space, being like, "Hmm, I wonder what these golf girls are up to." <laughs> you know, I could see it as a a retro uh, television series, to retro romance channel sort of thing that all the hardcore Gundam pilots are watching these days to unwind. So I, I could get behind that. You know, like we we watch Birdie Wing and we're like, oh my God, it's just like Gundam. And they're watching it and they're like, oh my God, it's just like real life. <laughs> I mean, not having seen Gun- uh, Witch from Mercury, I haven't, I can't say. So uh, that's my best Helen guess. also asks, if multiple Birdie Wing characters are apparently diehard Gundam fans, how the fuck have they not noticed that Char Amaro Shar and Amaro, uh, or Sharmaro, whatever people call that, I forgot the name, uh, are just walking around. I mean, that's a good, that's a, that's a good question. But um, I don't know. Would you notice? Do you do you think you would definitely notice if some random guy who had nothing to do with Shar and Amaro, if he they know he sounded like Shar? I don't think I would. Maybe maybe other people would. But also, having more importantly, do Shar and Amaro exist in the Birdie Wing universe? Hmm. Only time will tell. Like as characters, as fictional characters, right? Like I, I haven't heard any confirmation yet that like that Amaro Ray is the pilot of the Gundam in Gundam in Birdie Wing, right? <laughs> I'm just picturing a giant golf Gundam now. They haven't done that yet, right? They haven't like combined the Gundam and the golf, but that would be good. For anybody listening to this who's just totally confused because we didn't talk about Gundam as it relates to Birdie Wing. <laughs> Birdie Wing is created by Sunrise and is full of Gundam Easter eggs, including uh, voice actors who have similar character names and characters in the universe who are Gundam fans and build plastic models. So it's kind of like a weird like golf show for Gundam fans. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, honestly, I was not aware of any of the Gundam Easter eggs bits. I had never seen anyone mention those except for, you know, the obvious names of the characters in there. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. There's some things that I also haven't noticed, but, you know, our, our real Gundam heads have picked up on, such as our editor, Pat. That uh, That's going to be it, I think. We hit the end of the question. So thank you for listening to the Annie Gamers Seasonal Sampler for Spring 2023. We'll be back next season for summer 2023, where we will recap what we actually watched, which for Ink will be a lot of stuff. And for me, will be hopefully at least one of these shows. Uh, in my case, there's, I don't know, what is it? Three different shows that are like... Definitely things things that I already have watched an earlier season of and would like to keep up on. So that's going to be tough because I want to I want to stay up to date on Brody Wing, Witch from Mercury, and Ranking of Kings. We'll see if I can pull that off. Yeah, for me, it's definitely going to be Insomniacs after school. Uh, Yuri is my job, and uh, Brody Wing possibly. Nice. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you would like more from us, you can always email us at podcast at anygamers.com or check us out on the anygamers.com website where we've got show notes and comment threads and all that good stuff. Also the articles that we sometimes write. Uh, and uh, more info on the podcast at podcast.anygamers.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And... Uh, Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash anygamers. Just $5 a month gets you access to all sorts of cool bonus content, including a podcast we just recorded reviewing Suzume, the new Makoto Shinkai movie with me, Ink, and Pat. That will be going up pretty soon on the Patreon. Might be up actually before this episode goes up. We'll see. So many opinions. Uh, I'm on the worst website on earth. Follow me on Twitter at sign Vamptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. Uh, and I'm also on Mastodon, Vamptvo at Mastodon.social. How about you, Ink? Uh, also on the former birdie site, Ink underscore just underscore Ink. And on Mastodon at Ink.social. At, at Ink at Mastodon.social. There we go. Yes. Just so everybody knows. Mastodon is nicer, um, but it doesn't give you the same brain chemicals that make you go crazy that we all love from twitter which uh is getting worse even worse by the day but i'm not going to talk about it more on the episode <laughs> uh that's it for this episode we'll see you uh, in a couple months later <laughs>